0: Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. Since its inception, Jennifer has interviewed many prominent women in the industry to help turn ideas to action and grow a network that can help build a better future for women. Women remain the driving force behind this growth, but male allies can play a critical role in helping to bring about these changes. That is why Jennifer has launched Mentors That Make a Difference, a spin-off series that allows men to speak on their experiences and share how they are helping drive social change to close the employment, pay and culture gap for women in technology. We hope this new segment will continue to inspire change and encourage growth of women in the industry. Listen in as these collaborative stories start right now. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction, the podcast. This week, I'll be talking with Tom Tonkin. Tom is an executive in professional services and software sales area with over 25 years of business and technology experience. He is currently serving as a senior principal, change management and transformation, thought leadership and advisory services. Tom was the CEO and co-founder of the Sales Conservatory, which helps sales leaders increase revenue through sales enablement efficient and effective sales processes. Tom spent a major part of his career at Oracle Corporation, 19 years to be exact. He was the senior director of the sales performance group in Oracle's Global Sales Academy. He has also served in various leadership roles at Oracle in both sales and consulting, also across midsize and enterprise customers in North America and globally. Tom's industry background includes healthcare, insurance, and telecommunications, with a focus on organizational behaviors. He holds a PhD in organizational leadership from Regent University in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and a Master of Science in organizational leadership with honors, with a focus on leadership and management from Regis University, Denver, Colorado, He has also received multiple business certifications and is a leadership expert. Tom is an award-winning researcher and author. Welcome to the show, Tom. I'm so excited to have you on the Mentors That Make a Difference segment of our show. Thanks for being an ally for Women in Technology. So tell us a little bit more about you.
1: Well, I certainly appreciate the invitation, Jennifer, and uh, I consider myself a recovering executive. And uh, it's a t- tagline. I mean, obviously, you can go to LinkedIn and other places and find out sort of my bio and things along those lines. But, you know, I spent about 30 years in corporate America, and I learned a lot of things. And I feel at this time in my career, I'd I'd like to take some of the ideas that I've come through through experience and through research and put them to application. And being an ally for women in technology is something that I feel I have not only deep experience in, but also have some very convicting ideas uh, to discuss.
0: Well, I'm intrigued. I want to hear more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, you know, this podcast is focused around bridging the employment, pay, and culture gap for women in technology. What are you seeing in the industry today?
1: Specifically about women in the technology industry, I think it's getting better. I Part of that is the, the social revolution that I think we are going through, the awareness that is coming around. Now, mind you, I will also say that some of the problems that we're discussing are problems that have been around for decades. Um, so I suppose that we're getting better at it because now it's sort of out in the air as opposed to the behind closed doors and in our minds. So I think that's number one. Number two, the technology industry itself, meaning for, forget men, women, or whoever's in it, technology seems to be duplicating very, very quickly. I want to point uh, to a to some information. There's a, a book by, um, oh my goodness, it's, it's going to, the gentleman's name escapes me as I'm trying to think of it, but the title of the book is called, um, Thank you for being late. Thomas Friedman. Thank you. Thank uh, Thomas Friedman. And in there, he interviews uh, Eric Teller. And Eric Teller is uh, the uh, CEO over at uh, Google, Google X. And in there, they talk about the speed of technology. And it's gotten to be a point that technology has now outpaced our ability to apply and accept it. Up until not too long ago, technology was coming quickly to us, but we were able to take it on, accept it, implement it, and utilize it. It has now gotten to a speed where it exceeds our ability to do that, which suggests now that for us to keep up with technology as a human race, we need to come up with some better ideas. And I think the introduction of women in technology that is long overdue for many other reasons also has a new benefit which is this idea that we all as a human race have to keep up with technology and uh, use it as our, to our benefit.
0: Yeah that's great. Um I think you know your thoughts on what's happening in women in technology is really spot on. We are seeing that it is getting a little better, but it's been a problem for a long time, like you said, and it's going to take a long time to get it to where we need it to be. But definitely we will take the progress because of the awareness in the industry. And I definitely want to go pick up that book. Thank you for being late. I'm interested in reading more about that. That's really cool. So um, what are some qualities in an ally that we should look for as we build allyship? Because, you know, we need support to gain to equity. It's not going to happen without our allies. And so how can an ally support us?
1: I'm going to define ally for us in the sense that often we see allies as being those that are not necessarily in the the segment, right? So for example, in this case, if we are supporting women in technology, allies are those that are not necessarily women in technology, men Mm -hmm. in technology comes to mind. Mm -hmm. But I would also say that women outside of technology also can be allies. Um, Thus, if you use that as the benchmark or the definition of what an ally is, the next or the, the first quality or criteria would be understand your privilege. Mm-hmm. Now I'm going to have to define that a little bit because people often think of privilege as being sort of financially wealthy or, or, or some um, unattainable area, and then that's not the case. What I'm saying is that privileges you are part of a group that is not uh, uh, encumbered by some of the discrimination or some of the challenges that others are. And that means anything from, for example, I am a heterosexual male. And if I am talking about um, bisexual or, or or gay or lesbian rights, I have a privilege in that sense because I'm not necessarily part of those discussions. I I, I could tell you right now that I think that the number is like 26 states still have a law on the books that says you could be uh, fired from employment for being gay, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: which is just ridiculous that I'm even Uh having to say that in 2022. Uh So there's an aspect of privilege and I think you have to understand. And so my view of the first characteristics as an ally is to understand the privilege. I will never know what it's like to be a woman in technology
0: mm-hmm
1: the minute I understand that is the minute I can start helping
0: yeah that's really great um- So much to learn and so much to uh, offer from allies. And I think you're absolutely right where, you know, it's not just men. It can be women that are outside technology can be allies. We just need that support and those champions to kind of speak up for us sometimes when we don't have a voice or we don't have a seat at the table. So uh, we just need to keep building those those champions and allies for women in technology. So that's great. So you have a passion like me for learning and development, uh, been in the learning and development um, industry for a long, long time. We just celebrated 30 years last year. Um, so how do you stay current with technology? And then what is your continuous learning model if you have one?
1: Yeah, I, I think that the, 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 the I'll, I'll sort of answer that question in reverse my continuous learning model stems from some research that myself and my partner in my company do around what we call self-directed learning. Mm-hmm. So for us to be able to tackle a topic, say like technology or diversity equity and inclusion, for us to be able to have a healthy way of, of understanding and capturing that we believe that you have to be highly self-directed. Now, that sounds kind of like a mushy term. Uh, it'd be hard pressed for anyone to say, no, no, Tom, that's not what you should do. And it's, it's sort mm-hmm. of a self-righteous term. So let me uh, you know, put a definition around it. Being self-directed is that you have four major disciplines. You have the confidence, you have the discipline, you have the purpose, and you have the communication abilities to be able to tackle Any one of those topics. Now, here's the good news: for each one of those dimensions, there are ways of getting better at those things. Uh, Again, let me quote books because I think some people may want to dive into it. And Jennifer, I'm sure you've have heard about the mindset book by Carol Dweck. Mm -hmm. Yep. Talks about this idea of fixed versus growth mindset. Mm -hmm. She's not explicit in her discussion around self-direction but it's in there. And the idea that you could say, well, I am X, if you will, in self-direction, and I want to be Y, you know, better at it. If you take on those four disciplines, you will become better self, uh, more self-directed or improve your self-direction, which will then allow you to learn not only new things, but also to keep up with technology. And that's kind of where I invest my time, understanding the confidence, the purpose, the discipline, and my ability to communicate to others uh, grows my self-direction.
0: So those are tough, tough topics, you know, confidence, discipline, purpose, and communication. I mean, those are great and definitely support self-direction. But how do you build some of these um, qualities?
1: Well, in, in where we come from, we usually start with confidence. It's mm-hmm. one of these things that we build on top of each other. Because if you get to build your confidence, you are more apt to then understand your purpose and, and so on. So there's a little bit of a linear perspective on this. Mm-hmm. And, and the way we build self-confidence is is, is uh, kind of a three-step process. The first thing we do is we teach you how to visualize. And sometimes that sounds, again, right, the term left without context sounds a bit mushy and woo-woo, if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, But I would suggest that visualization is an actual cognitive process. The ability to take a look at three aspects of your confidence in a very sort of operational, tangible way. Number one, uh, things that you anticipate. So, for example... If I'm trying to become better at something, there's a there's a quote I say I usually use, which means uh, different isn't always better, but better is always different. Mm. And so if that's the case, right, we all want to be better. That means it's going to be different. So you got to go through some kind of change. And so when you visualize change, you want to visualize it in what I call an anticipatory way. These are the things that I believe are going to change. There is another one called emergent. An emergent way is something that I uh, don't know it may happen and I may not want it to happen. And lastly, opportunistic, something that may not happen, but if it did, it might be a good thing. So those are three things that would happen during a change. Very operational. Again, I'll point to the YouTube. Uh, there's a great visualization story by Michael Phelps where he does that. And, and I, uh, I usually give that uh, example where I say Michael Phelps has swam more in his head than he has in a pool <laughs> in the sense that he's visualized all these things. For example, an emergent issue for Michael Phelps is what happens if my swim trucks rip while I'm swimming in the Olympics, uh, by sort of pre thinking the idea about what you do in your motions, you've now reduced the level of anxiety and uh, the unknown aspects of things, which directly correlates the way you can actually uh, create uh, extra confidence in what it is that you do. So we teach people how to go through this model in a very operational way, such that you can take visualization and visualizing as a tool to increase your confidence in any particular way. Um, I'll also point to another model. You can see that I, I like models. I like theories because it gives you a set of boundaries or ideas to to start formulating your thoughts. There's a there's a concept called the Johari window. And the Johari window is a two by two matrix that puts you and someone else or the rest of the world on the different axis. And basically it's four things that could happen. One, you and I both, let's say Let's say you and I are talking about something. You and I know something about this topic. Second quadrant would be, you know about this topic. I don't know anything about this topic. Third quadrant is, I know about this topic. You don't know about this topic. And then the last quadrant would be, you and I both don't know about this quad, anything about this, this topic. Now, why do I bring that up? Well, I bring that up? Because everything we know, everything since the day we were born until now started in that last quadrant. You and I don't know something. Mm-hmm. We also know that eventually it works into you and I both know something. So you can start building the confidence when you approach something you don't know to say, hey, I don't know about this, but I know in the past I didn't know about stuff either, but now I do. So it's just a matter of working through it, and you bring this much healthier approach to increasing your confidence on a topic. I'm going to pause and get your reaction. I've been talking a little too much here. Did
0: you know that there is an increase in the number of women leaving the tech industry? As a woman-owned business, Directions Training has made it our mission and passion to change this statistic. That's why Jennifer created this podcast. We showcase insight from everyday women for everyday women in the tech industry. Do you know other people that would benefit from tuning in? Share the link and help us drive the advancement of women in the tech industry. Do you have a journey or know of someone that our listeners would benefit from hearing about? Reach out to us at directionstraining.com slash podcast. Don't forget to follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, and wherever you find your podcasts. Now back to the show. No, that's great. Oh my gosh. I love the frameworks of what you're saying and the actual process to guide getting there. You know, I love that. And I love what you said about difference. Different is not always better. But better is always different. I'm going to have to remember that. That is so good. I love that. So, yeah, thank you for your thoughts on that. That's really insightful. All right, so let's move to leadership next. So what does it take to be a good leader? And what do good leaders do more of to step up their game?
1: I guess I should start by saying as soon as you find out, let me know.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Always uh, learning, right?
1: I I am going to I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to I'm I'm going to approach this this uh question in a different kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I I just saw an interview with Neil uh deGrasse Tyson, right? The, the astronomer. And he he poses a question or or a philosophical concept. He basically says that it appears that the more information we have about a topic. It, it shows that we don't really know the topic, so he, he basically gives an example. You walk into a bookstore like a Barnes and Noble. There's no shortage of leadership books. And yet try to find a book about gravity. You'd be (laughs) hard-pressed to find a book about gravity. You might find one or two that were written, I don't know, 100 years ago. We kind of got the gravity thing figured out. But yet, we have seas and oceans of leadership books, blogs, trainers, gurus. And so I still think there's a lot to be discovered around the leadership space. and. So so with that preface let me let me give you my thoughts I think there is a challenge when it comes to being a leader uh let me pause and try that again I think that there's a challenge that is outside of us as leaders when it comes to applying it to a workplace and that's all of the external forces that a particular hierarchy may place upon us. For example, leaders need to know everything. Leaders need to be calm. Leaders need to be uh, pick your favorite attribute of leadership. They have to show that confidence on and on and on. And there's an expectation placed. Upon leaders, and in this case, hierarchically speaking, those that have direct reports or ascend to a higher position in a company. And yet, the reality is that leaders are just like anyone else.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: However, those headwinds place a lot of, how should I say, uh, external forces to reduce our level of transparency. Can I, as a leader, come out, let's say, during a state of the union in my company and go, you know, I got no idea what's (laughs) going (laughs) to happen. I'm actually a little nervous about what's going to happen next week. Of course not. And yet that reality is very true. There are leaders where they don't know the answer. And they've got to figure it out. If that's all the case, everything that I've just said is, resonates with you and your audience, then a great characteristics of leadership is the ability to be self-aware of where you are and what you need to do about it.
0: I think that is spot on because, like you said, leaders come from all different walks of life. They've had all different backgrounds. They've got a lot of external forces dictating Who they are. And it's tough to have the attributes that are supposedly the leadership qualities, right? But I think leaders have to have continuous learning because they have to continue to grow. And if you have that mindset, then if you don't know something, you can say, you know, I don't know, I can go look this up and I can come back and help you. But being authentic, I think, is something that every leader should be because. I think people respect them more when they're authentic. I think they they gain their their confidence from the people that report to them because they're authentic, because they're real, because they don't they're not a know it all. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I, I agree with you, and yet I would have to question you back. In the grand scheme, let now let's talk about middle management, and middle leadership, mm-hmm. because I, I am placing this conversation in a hierarchical form, because I think that's the, the headwind that I'm talking mm-hmm. about. How often do you see that? Not often. You're right. And so the question becomes is you can I you and I can theorize about what it should and shouldn't be and have great ideas. The question that I keep coming up is. What's it look like in the field? Again, I'm gonna offer up yet another book. I'm a I'm an avid reader. Oh, no, that's, that's great. Um and I think the title says it all. It's a book by Jeffrey Pfeffer, and the books and the and the title of the book is called Leadership BS. He he takes these challenges on. The fact that you take these types of criteria of leadership and try to place those In in a real world scenario. For example, how many times have you heard that leaders should be humble? Yeah, okay, I'll give you that. The Mm -hmm. question I have for you is, and again, in that hierarchical setting, how often do you see leaders actually being humble? Mm -hmm. Not very often. Because there's an external force on them to suggest that humbleness equates to weakness. Mm -hmm. or to lack of knowledge, you know, pick your your term of weakness. And you and I both know in a very sort of sanitized conversation in this podcast, that is just not true. Mm -hmm. Yet I want to see it in the field. I want to see it prevalent and want to point to the evidence.
0: Yeah, so true. I love this, you know, alternative way of looking at it, because um, you know, in the past, we asked the question and people have all these qualities they bring out. But really, how often do you see that and how do you get to that place is really the big question. So that's great. So now you did talk, talk about management and leadership. So what are some of the key differences between leading and managing a team?
1: And and Jennifer, by now, you know, my cadence of how to respond to these. Is <laughs> I, 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 I love I, it. Though. <laughs> I, I land on a on some research or a theory and talk about it. Peter Drucker says, "Managing is doing things right; leading is doing the right thing." Mm. Uh, applying that is is how I differentiate those two things. Now, again, let's go back to our sample hierarchy we've been discussing. The value of doing things right is far higher than doing the right thing. Hmm. And that, to me, is a huge vacuum in leadership.
0: That's so interesting. You're making me ponder now and think through what you just said. Um, hmm, Very interesting.
1: Well, I mean, think about it. If I come to you and I have a process or a task as a Mm -hmm. leader, I have to execute that process and tasks correctly and I have mm-hmm. to come back to you. Let's say you're my boss and I say, I've done that. Mm-hmm. However, if I say to you that the right thing to do is not doing the process correctly or spending more money or delaying something because it helps us do the right thing, which one do you think is going to be acceptable?
0: Mm. So. If your list contain consists of things that are not needed, but you're doing them right, I I think that that should not matter. You have to be doing both. You have to be doing the right things and then doing them right.
1: I I, I agree with you. And, mm-hmm. and the the question though is what's the difference between the leading and managing? And usually we tend to. Uh, allocate the meta type or the archetype of these to two different people Mm -hmm. and the person that has the leadership meaning they do the right thing is somebody that has greater levels of autonomy when it comes Mm -hmm. down to spending and delaying and all of the other things as opposed to the middle middle manager which, again, I've been utilizing that as our boundaries, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. to come and be able to make those decisions on themselves.
0: Very, very insightful, Tom. I love this conversation. That is so great. All right. So is there something that comes to mind, one thing that you wish you had known when you began your career that you know now?
1: Unfortunately that's a really easy question to answer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's good.
1: I placed a tremendous amount of value on things and processes okay. and not on people. Okay. I felt as if I were if I were good at a thing, uh developing code, uh fixing a car. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, you know things, things hard skills that fame and fortune would find their way to me mm-hmm. uh irrelevant of people uh a a little backstory was uh, i was i was a pr- aspiring professional musician, actually, I was a professional musician early early in my career. Had I known that, I probably would still have be a musician you and I would never have met. Because I would have valued people over the craft of playing my instrument, mm-hmm. and I felt as if if I was the best fill in the blank instrumentalist, that I would be a famous musician, irrelevant of the people that I would have to deal with on a on a daily basis. And, I and think was
0: that's there funny. was there a moment that that changed? Like, did something happen that? made you think wow this is an aha moment people are so important in this process
1: february 6
0: 1980
1: (laughs) i'm serious 1986 Mm -hmm. was the last day i played music for money Mm. because the love of my musical days turned into a chore Mm -hmm. because i had shunned people Mm and, and worshiped the idol of musical talent for mm-hmm. the people themselves.
0: And what made you change your mind?
1: I think that was the apex of a long journey to fixing okay. stuff. Uh, I will tell you that I went back to many people and I apologized. For the way I treated them,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um I changed a lot of my values and habits um as a matter of fact, at one point, as I was growing up, um I was a math major in college. Mm-hmm. Why? Well, because math is a thing,
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: felt if I was really good at that, computers, all that other stuff, the rest will come. I went as far as to completely changing my major to organizational behavior wow because of that revelation, and I thought, I I got it wrong. Um, I went on to get my master's in organizational leadership and my PhD as well in organizational leadership because I was convinced that the road to success was holding other people higher than myself and understanding their values and beliefs and be able to make them a better place, and, and, and As I sit here on the sort of back half for a golfer's term, right? Is that the back nine? I'm not a Mm -hmm. golfer, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) the the back nine of my career, uh, I'm glad I'm here. However, I probably would have been here sooner had I come to that revelation, as I as I told you earlier.
0: That is so powerful. And I give you so much credit for finding out. And then making the changes and going through this lifelong journey of, you know, changing the back nine, if you will. That's really impressive. I know it's um, very, very difficult to do. So I give you a lot of credit and kudos to even changing your majors to align with what you believe now. So that that's really, really um, inspiring. I love that. Thank you. All right. So in closing, what advice would you give to a woman considering a career in technology? Because sometimes they're not sure that's what they want to do.
1: Well, I, I think I gave you a little bit of a hint on my journey. Mm-hmm, <laughs>
0: is
1: uh-huh. to understand what I think is important in having your values and beliefs and who you are and that alignment. However, the advice I'm going to give you is advice twenty twenty two because I think that advice hopefully will change next year mm-hmm. but that advice is you, you have to get yourself an ally, a mentor, a coach um, and I'm being very specific here is you have to get somebody that uh, and, and mind you they may be more than one person I guess that's where I wanted really mm-hmm. to get to
0: mm-hmm.
1: because for example, I have helped women in technology. I actually have done a lot of work there, Mm -hmm. but I'm not a woman in technology. And so therefore there's certain aspects of that discussion that I'm not qualified for. Mm -hmm. So I I can act as an ally, but I'm not necessarily sure that I can act as a coach or maybe even a mentor in that sense. The way the way I define it, because there's there's the, the, the realities of that segment that I can't necessarily put my finger on and help. However, I can do things like when I see an opportunity position you in a better place. Mm-hmm. Or if I see a man talking over you, I can okay. make sure to highlight you in that, in your thought you brought You know, all of these little actions, which, by the way, that is that is where the bigger problem stems from. You and I can talk about this massive issue of about women and technology or the the lack thereof. But I'm going to I'm going to tell you where it starts. It starts Mm -hmm. when there's a woman in the room and she has a great idea and either doesn't speak up Mm -hmm. or when she does, she gets ignored.
0: You're spot on. Yep.
1: Right. So I can help there. That that's something I can help with. Mm-hmm. Um, give you the confidence to speak up, or if somebody didn't hear you, I can, as a man, stop the conversation mm-hmm. and put the sh- and put the light back on you to say, Jennifer, that was a great idea. Do you mind repeating what you said? Mm-hmm. Right. There's all of these little things that we as allies can learn to do, and so what you need. As a woman, again, as a man in technology speaking, you need to find those people. Mm-hmm. I am hopeful that if we ever have a conversation next year, two years, ten years from now, that you and I have new advice.
0: Yes, <laughs> because yes. we've
1: got that part figured out. I go back to my uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Or is it is it deGrasse Tyson? Tyson grass? I always get those confused. You know, Dr. Neil's view of hopefully in ten years the bookshelves won't be littered with leadership books or how women can break into <laughs> women in technology because we've got that one we've got it figured out
0: that's great advice and thank you thank you so much for being an ally for women in technology and what you described is spot on is to be that voice to be that champion to be that help that confidence that we need sometimes in a situation where we don't get a voice. So thank you. Thank you for that. Can you share with our listeners how they can get a hold of you?
1: Again, I'm going to take a little unorthodox view. Obviously, I'm LinkedIn and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Uh, my, My party trick is that if you Google my name, Tom Tonkin, I'm the first page on Google. Um, so it's pretty easy to find me, not because I'm some famous person, but because the algorithm works in my favor. <laughs> uh, but if if you have a question, usually people have one question. I'm on Voxer, V-O-X-E-R, which is kind of like a fancy uh, asynchronous, synchronous text voicemail kind of thing. Hmm. And it's free. OK. Go to Voxer, Dr. Tom Tonkin, Dr. Tom Tonkin and send me a box is what they're called. It just lowers the barrier of entry into a discussion. No need for a ceremony. You know, I heard you on Jennifer's podcast and I just had a simple question and that'd be great. And if I can That's move great. the needle for you, I'm excited.
0: Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. It was an honor to have you on the show and I truly appreciate all your insights and all that you're doing as an ally. So thank you again.
1: Thank you, Jennifer, and perhaps we can do it again.
0: Yes. Thank you for listening to Tech in the Right Direction. Please take a minute to subscribe or follow so that you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to like, share, and comment. Thank you. See you next week.
1: From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions, covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end users. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions.